Nation, Rob McGregor, welcome you to a place where all kinds of phenomena flourish. Voices whisper, ancient secrets, signs and symbols are abundant. UFOs, ETs, ghosts, and even the dead move about freely. Here we meet authors, researchers, and investigators of the mysterious, the strange, and of the inexplicable anomalies that surround us. Step out of the everyday world and take a journey into the mystical underground. Welcome to the Mystical Underground. Thank you for joining us. This is Rob McGregor. And Trish McGregor. And our producer and tech magician, John Posey. You can go to themysticalunderground.com where we make regular blog posts and where you can find out about our books. Our most recent nonfiction book is Phenomena, Harnessing Your Psychic Abilities. Trish's latest novel is Skin Shifters. Rob's latest novel is Tool Puzz. We also have a new book coming out soon called The Shift, Reports from the Mystical Underground. Okay, our guest today is Christine Clawley, who received her MA from Pacifica Graduate Institute in 2015 and became a licensed professional counselor in Colorado in 2018. She's currently a clinician in private practice and has a Jungian and depth-oriented practice in Arizona, I think now, that helps clients heal from traumatic experiences mm-hmm as well as supports individuals who have also had near-death experiences or other spiritually transformative experiences. After overcoming the life-threatening necrotizing facetitis, I didn't pronounce that right, (laughs) at age 24, she embarked on a journey of healing and self-understanding through exploring various holistic techniques, including a mindfulness practice, meditation, yoga, self-hypnosis, and indigenous healing modalities. Prior to contracting this illness, She had many dreams and messages that foreshadowed her illness. While spending nearly a month in a medically induced coma, she had many dreams that mirrored what was happening to her on a physical, emotional, and spiritual level. Upon awakening from the coma, she experienced increased intuition, empathy, and an increased frequency of lucid and precognitive dreams. These experiences have led her to research topics related to near-death experiences, consciousness, non-ordinary reality, synchronicity, dreaming, and shamanism. Welcome, Christine. Welcome, Christine. So, so we met you when you and your partner, Tony, were filming a movie on synchronicity. Uh, you two were traveling around the country in a van with your cat and showed up at our door to interview us. Uh, where, I think that was like 2018, I think. Yeah. Uh, so where are things now in the movie process? Yes. Well, I just want to thank you both, Rob and Trish, for inviting me on the show. And I'm such a fan of your work. And um, yes, 2018 uh, into 2019 was a very magical time for my partner, Tony, and I. Um, We uh, decided to uh, travel the U.S. um, in a travel trailer, uh, gathering interviews, uh, meeting with family, and also just exploring this vast landscape uh, in the U.S. So um, we are still gathering a few more interviews. I have one or two left, and then we'll be moving into the interview or the excuse me editing phase of uh, this process. But we're very excited to move into that phase. Tony's going to be um, producing music as well. We're going to be oh, collaborating. Great. 
with some others um, visually. So, so we're excited. Oh, this sounds great. That yeah, sounds interesting. What was okay? Tell us what was the synchronicity that led to the film idea? Well, I I wouldn't. As I come to research synchronicity, I'm realizing more and more that there's usually not just one synchronicity, but <laughs> many synchronicities. This is true on the way, <laughs> and all pointing you, you know, on I guess your path. Um, so there were multiple synchronicities. This has been something, obviously, I've been interested in since I started having precognitive dreams and synchronicities. Uh, but the the collaboration began uh, when I was in grad school in California, and uh, I was at a coffee shop uh, putting together, researching um, my thesis, which was about my near-death experience and synchronicity. And I had a chance encounter with someone else who was in the film industry. His name is Tom Haynes, and he's a collaborator. And he had also been exploring the topic of synchronicity. So that's really what got this whole idea started. And then, uh, you know, my partner has um, technical abilities to work the camera. He uh, had experienced increasing synchronicities around um, his father's illness, which is another thing we'll talk about later. This connection between synchronicity and after-death communication or... um, that non-ordinary reality. So, mm-hmm. so that's the beginning of that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, who have you interviewed uh, for your film? So, yeah, I think I'll take a little bit of time to mention who I've interviewed. Of course, um, both of you. So, Rob and Trish McGregor. <laughs> you Brent books. I have to insert this in. Seven Secrets of uh, Synchronicity. Synchronicity in the Other Side, The Synchronicity Highway. So that was a phenomenal interview. Robert Moss, who uh, has written many books on synchronicity, The Dreamer's Book of the Dead, um, Mm -hmm. Secret History of Dreaming, and many other books. Uh, Dr. Eric Wargo, who is an anthropologist and science writer in the D.C. area, and he's written two excellent books. One is on time loops, the other dream work, and the long self. And he has an interesting theory about uh, retrocausation, which I might touch on later. Uh, Dr. Bernard Beitman, mm-hmm. psychiatrist, founder of the Coincidence Project and author of Connecting Coincidence. Uh, Joseph Cambray, Dr. Joseph Cambray, he uh, is dean of Pacifica Graduate Institute and author of another book, Synchronicity, Nature, and the Psyche in an Interconnected Universe. Hmm. Uh, I thought you were going to say Joseph Campbell. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that that would be great. (laughs) That would be a good interview. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes. So, and then I'll mention a few others. Um, Dr. Gary Swartz, um, he's a director of the Laboratory for Advances in Consciousness and Health in Tucson, Arizona, and author of Super Synchronicity. Um, Andrew Paquette, who's written a, a book, Dreamer, 20 yeah, Years of Yeah, we know Andy. <laughs> yes, Psychic Dreams and How They Changed My Life. And there are others. So this is a really exciting time, and I do think um, we're going through a collective uh, paradigm shift in how we relate to time. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I had to I had to Google 
necrotizing fasciitis. Okay, so if I had to Google, explain for our listeners what it is and how you contracted it, and is that why you were in a medically induced coma for a month? Yes, absolutely. So it's actually known as necrotizing fasciitis or the flesh-eating bacteria. So it's a very scary-sounding illness, and it was very scary and serious. So um, many times people will contract this illness, and it's extremely rapidly spreading. So one might cut their finger or feel like they have the flu, and then um, it just spreads very rapidly, eating away the tissue, muscles, sometimes organs. Mm. So a lot of times when people contract this illness, they may have to to amputate, you know, limbs. Oh, really? Yes. For myself, the infection started in my throat and spread down to my chest and even down to my torso. So very, very um, life-threatening. For those that are sensitive, you know, I don't want to go in too much detail, but I had to have multiple, multiple operations. And I was kept in a medically induced coma for nearly a month, just um, every day fighting for my life. And um, the hyperbaric oxygen chamber, which is kind of a a newer treatment for that infection, saved my life, along with the team of doctors and nurses. So, yeah. yeah. What What was the advantage of putting you in a coma for the treatment? Well, it was obviously very um, painful for me because they had to open my neck and chest up multiple times. Open, you know, uh, clear out the infection. They had a wound back in my chest and then they would close me up. It would come back. So at a certain point, they had to keep me in that medically induced coma. I was on a, I was intubated, so on a breathing tube. Mm-hmm. And um, by the time this was all over with, I was down to, you know, under 90 pounds. Uh, so, you did know, you lose was, your voice as well? Oh, yes. I completely lost my voice. I could not talk, could not breathe on my own. That was an incredible struggle to learn how to breathe. Could not eat, could not walk, could not do anything on my own. But and I did been, not know. Yeah, that must have been really scary, though, just the the idea that you might not be able to talk again. I mean, that's... Yeah. Or walk. Or walk, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, I do take the perspective now looking back that in some ways it was a spiritual initiation. And for me, it, this illness has been transformative on so many different levels, but it's also helped me understand the importance of using one's voice and uh, communication uh, because I could not communicate with my family. Um, And there were several times where I was having allergic reactions or I was in extreme pain. And I began using, they brought in a little handheld typewriter. That was how I first Uh began to communicate to my family because I did not know what happened to me, you know, when I woke from the coma. So it's been a journey. Now, you you also had okay. You said you had some precognitive dreams or that foreshadowed this condition. Like what what were the context of those dreams? Yes. So um, I'm actually going to bring up my thesis here too and read a <laughs> quote. Uh, so I had multiple dreams going back uh, six months. Um, 
prior to my illness where I would wake up having these extremely vivid nightmares that I was being strangled by this angry um, indigenous looking woman. And Hmm. I would wake up almost feeling, you know, like handprints around my neck. It was very shocking. And there's one particular entry in my dream journal, which I think is symbolic in many different ways. But I said December 2007, so my illness was February 2008. Uh I saw the, the girl again last night. She seems to be a part of me, this Native American girl who haunts my dreams. Mm. She seems so real, it feels as though she is warning me. And then I see the red shirt, and I hate it, and I don't want to wear it. Mm. So that red shirt is interesting. I think there's some different meanings here. One literal meaning could be, you know, the infection. I lost a lot of blood. Um, Mm. My my chest was open with that wound back. Uh, It was, you know... Yeah, very dramatic. And I had that sense of shock, you know, with this dream. But I've also been very attracted to, um, you know, Native American spirituality, the red road. And red is a very important color in in that tradition. And um, so that's another way of possibly interpreting that as well. So Jung's red book. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. So with dreams and synchronicities, I think. You had, during this whole period, you had inklings of another life on a slave ship. I found that absolutely fascinating. Yes, yes, yes. So more than happy to to go to that. So while I was in the medically induced coma, um, it felt like I lived out entire lifetimes while I was in that coma. Um, They had me on heavy-duty medication, you know, keeping me asleep, and it felt like I was, you know, living out, as I said, other other lives. And I had three big dreams while I was in the coma. And the particular dream you're referencing was a turning point for me. Mm-hmm. Um, in this dream, I was maybe 40, 50-year-old uh, Asian woman on this. I had lived most of my life on this massive, massive wooden ship. And I had a lot of self-loathing. Um, I was extremely depressed and hopeless because I was not only um, a sex slave, uh, but I had my role was to bring other women into that trade. And so we were all slaves and we were not allowed to talk to one another. And again, there was just this feeling of uh, hopelessness, isolation, desperation. But there was a moment in that dream where I uh, connected, I locked eyes with this other Asian woman. And even though we weren't allowed, see, I'm going to get emotional telling this story. uh, We weren't allowed to talk. There was this a deep sense of empathy and soul knowing. And I recognized her as my actual sister from this life. Mm-hmm. And that is when everything in that dream began to change just from that heart-to-heart connection with my sister. We began planning our escape. We began <clears throat> excuse me, liberating other women. And I believe that marked also a turn in my illness as well. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so uh, That's fascinating, uh, though, that, that, that it, you couldn't communicate. And that's what was going on with you. Wow, I've never made that connection, mm-hmm. too. Yes. 
Yeah. Do you have any idea what uh, time frame that uh, slave ship uh, life was taking place in? I don't know entirely. Yeah. You know, that it it felt like a different time period. Uh-huh. But you know, one thing about this experience, I you know, when you have a dream that is so real um, of another lifetime or of someone in another country, it expands your sense of empathy. Uh-huh. So this this dream for me too has you know made me more interested in the topic of human trafficking of sex slavery, um, which are, you know, big issues today that are still not talked about as much as, uh-huh. you know, would hope. Yeah. So it could be, you know, this dream was also uh, sparking this this um, kind of humanitarian drive that I have to also help women, you know, who mm-hmm. suffered from sexual assault or other types of abuse, too. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting, Andy Paquette in a, one of his dreams also lived, he, he saw another life where he was, remember when he told yeah, us Yeah, he, he said he, he felt he lived this he, entire life. Right. He felt, he felt it was a six-week period in this other in this other life. Yeah, that's right. It was a six-week period he lived during this dream, one night's dream. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I am a believer in the theory of maybe past lives or simultaneous time or lives. I mean, it's, it's, I'm convinced at this point, just because yeah. of my own experience. Uh-huh. Yeah, that that slave ship experience that That's... could have taken place in another dimension, uh, not necessarily our the past, uh, you know, in a linear time sense, but uh, you know, elsewhere, but but yet totally linked to your current life. Yeah, and to your current Absolutely. and to what was going on. Yeah. Well, okay. So when you were when you had your NDE. What 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 did you experience? I mean, you always hear about the tunnel of light, and you know, not that everybody has that. But <laughs> first one was that was that while you were in the coma when you had the NDE. Well, and here's the thing. So I mean, the NDE experience, I didn't uh, by the book necessarily have uh-huh. an NDE because I didn't clinically die. Mm-hmm. However, I do remember, um, and I had after the fact, about two years later, um, a sudden experience where I relived uh, that experience of being in a coma and this intense struggle, um, this feeling of being in tremendous amount of pain, feeling like I'm being tortured, being unable to scream, really, because it was so horrendous what was happening to me. And there was this moment uh, where I completely surrendered to the experience and the pain. And in that moment, I felt myself just completely, it's almost like uh, just love, warmth, and peace wrapping mm-hmm. all around you. And I, in that moment, realized that there is no death, that it was okay for me to let go. Mm-hmm. And I do also believe again that that was kind of a turning point in surrendering. Um, somehow I chose to come back, you know, to to this reality, to this life on Earth. And following that experience, I had all all the classical kind of NDE um, touchstones, you know, dramatic uh-huh. change in in relationships to family, life path, increased empathy 
precognitive psychic experiences. And it was very, very hard to integrate. Not only did I have PTSD from, you know, the hospitalization, right. but now I was a completely different person. Um, Jeez. So huh. it took time to integrate. And this yeah. happened in what, 2008? In 2008, yes. Uh-huh. So I'm still integrating the experience. And interestingly enough, um, I've had a real gift happen to me this year where um, I have begun a precognitive dream collaboration with someone. And this is a very interesting story. She reached out to me um, after finding out about the film. And Uh interestingly enough, she also uh, began having precognitive dreams exactly 20 years, um, almost to the day, prior to my uh, initiation into having precognitive dreams. And she lived right next door to me. What? 20 years <laughs> prior in that same house where I got ill. Wow. And we are finding that our dreams have been communicating with each other across time and space. Mm-hmm. You know, even though we are different ages um, and we're helping kind of piece these different pieces together. Huh. Why this happened, what the meaning is. Um, so it's it's exciting. It's, you know, even though this is this was a traumatic experience, again, I think there can be tremendous spiritual gifts from facing crises um, or challenges like this. Yeah. It's like a shamanic initiation. And I, I do re- resonate with that idea of the mm-hmm. you know shamanic dismemberment um, and this you know connection to the spirit world or, or feeling like you're living in two different worlds or two uh-huh. different times. I I can relate to that. Yeah. yeah, you said you had you said you had uh, precognitive dreams that foreshadowed your illness that you were having these before you became uh, sick. Yeah, that was about the yeah. woman. In red so in adi- oh, that, yeah. Okay. In addition to that, though, I did have a dream that I had a cyst behind my vocal cords. Mm-hmm. And in this lucid dream, I was trying to remove that. And that is where the infection began from this cyst behind huh. my vocal cords. So that's one example. You know, precognitive mm-hmm. dreams, I believe, can show up very literally, um, very specific information or symbolically and i do believe that both types of dreams were precognitive did you explain these to uh andy i was just curious <laughs> no not yet <laughs> okay i'd be curious to hear what he has to say it's, it's hard to explain anything to andy he, yeah, I mean, I mean, he, he is uh, one flow of energy God, he really is. and he's interesting though yeah, he's fascinating. but it's hard to get in a, in a qu- i don't think <laughs> yeah. we had to ask many questions to andy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you actually meet him in person? No, we just did a virtual uh-huh. um, interview for now. Because mm-hmm. yeah. he really does live in two worlds. <laughs> yes, yes. And, you know, a, a part of my goal, too, is I work in the mental health field. And mm-hmm. um, there's different types of environments that really um, uh, cultivate this experience of synchronicity or vertical time, mythical time. Mm-hmm. And traveling is one, therapy is another one, healing ceremonies. But, you know, many of my clients have incredible synchronicities, uh, dreams, and it goes both ways. You know, I'm influenced by the client, the client is uh-huh. influenced by myself, but having mm-hmm. that intention 
of healing and this ability to engage with time and space and meaning in a different way allows, um, you know, I think this, this deepening to happen. So, um, so that's my goal is to try to take, you know, there's a pathology, um, often associated with these experiences of, you know, precognitive dreaming, synchronicity, Mm -hmm. mystical experiences, you know, that within the mental health field can be considered a psychosis, hallucination. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, yeah. But I'm my aim is to you know change the language around this. There can be amazing gifts that come out of trauma, and um, you know this is something that we need to create a space collectively within our society to honor. And my hope was with you know the COVID nineteen this global com- uh, pandemic that this could be uh, a global type of NDE experience uh-huh. collective experience where we honor you know the mythic the spiritual again because we have again kind of pathologized or demonized right because it doesn't fit in with current you know there's a lot of material yeah there's a lot of people who hear voices and it all depends on how you're reacting to the voices some people you know are they're terrible experiences for them and you know they're the ones that are labeled psychotic and then there's other people who use these voices as guidance uh you know Mm -hmm. so it's yeah in fact chris Mackey, you know who's in the coincidence project he's a clinical psychologist in australia and he focuses on the positive aspects of synchronicity i mean he you'll have to talk to him (laughs) you two have a lot Mm -hmm. in common yeah great Absolutely. I do think there can be um, kind of a positive or a darker side of mm-hmm. synchronicity, if it's okay to say that. Yeah, that's um, fine. I was recently talking with another, my collaborator about, um, I think it was the Cecil Hotel, um, the Elisa Lamb case. And in that, I think it's Netflix series, there's so many synchronicities, you know, involved with this woman's um, mysterious death. And again, you know, we have to kind of make meaning of these experiences, not just brush them under the rug. Um, right. But yeah, but but really look at them. What was that? What was the name of that Netflix? Um, let, let me uh, just pull it up here. Yeah, I was just curious. I'm not familiar with that. Oh, it is called... Crime Scene, The Vanishing oh. at the Cecil Hotel, and it oh, is on awesome. Netflix. Yeah, uh, We haven't seen that one. Yeah. So, uh, yes, dark, darker synchronicities oh. are often the tricksters that, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, that uh, occur that, you know, I can't, can you think of any? Well, things? yeah, I can. I mean... The thing about the time traveler when we were at that Scottish festival. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, they're, they're, it's like, oh, here's your confirmation. And then it turns out to be bogus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, so wow. it, can, it, can work, it can work both ways. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, synchronicity, you had that was a very positive one. As you found uh, a book. Yeah, that, about your dad. This is... Yeah, that um, brought about a precognition that saved your father's life. Tell us about that. Yes, absolutely. So um, I was visiting a dear friend in California and, you know, we were in a bookstore exploring before I was going to hop on my plane back. 
And, you know, these experiences seem almost dreamlike when they happened. Mm -hmm. And that's how this was. It just felt like I was drawn to this book, almost like it was glowing. And I, I have too many books. I was trying to rationalize, <laughs> saying, no, I don't, I don't need another book. But I went ahead and got it. And it was um, Eldon Taylor. Uh, he's, um, I believe, a psychologist and studies hypnotherapy. Um, and it's called Mind Programming. And so I got this book. I was, you know, voraciously reading it on the plane, almost done with it. And I get to this particular passage in a chapter. And I just get this kind of maybe inner knowing, inner voice that just says, okay, you know, just stop, close the book, just sit with what you read in this chapter. And in this chapter, the author was talking about um, a life-saving synchronicity where his wife just happened to mention for some reason that the sensation of burning lungs, she just read this on a box of cereal, can mean you're having a heart attack. And um, I don't think the author had told his wife that, or maybe he had, I can't remember the detail, but he was recognizing, oh my gosh, I'm having that symptom, you know, burning lungs, mm. went to the hospital and, you know, he had his heart, you know, that saved his life, um, huh. heart surgery. And so I just read this and I'd never heard, you know, that burning lungs can mean you're having a heart attack. I, I mean, it's not something they really teach you. Usually you hear the left um, arm sensation right. kind of, right. but Anyhow, so my dad was picking me up from the airport and he looks pale and he's going, oh my gosh, the pollution in Denver, my lungs are burning because they're from the springs. And, uh, you know, I just went, oh my gosh, I had read literally 15, 20 minutes ago that that can be a sign of a heart attack. And of course, I say this and, and he's like, oh, no, 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 no. But, you know, he asked me to drive. So he gets in the passenger side and I basically have to fight him and go against, you know, hey, let's just go back to the springs. And I drive him to an ER hmm. and we go in and, you know, they admit him, even though they're kind of like, you know, uh, skeptical sometimes uh, mm -hmm. about something really being wrong. And he had a 99% blockage in one of his major arteries. They had God. to operate on him right then. And Jeez. if we hadn't taken him in, he would have had a major, major heart attack. God. So, mm. so is, he, is he a believer in synchronicity now? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so that was actually like a synchronicity within a synchronicity because <laughs> the author had the same experience yeah, reading it on a, uh, a serial box and had the experience and then the, you related that to your father yeah i never heard about that, that burning <laughs> yeah, that's fascinating. yeah and that does seem to be how this this works um you know that there it's kind of magnified and gary schwartz i think he has a different theory he has a word uh, super synchronicity for you know i think 10 different synchronicities around one thing i mean yeah. it, it really does come in degrees and the more powerful the event or the more important it seems like the more synchronicities occur. Yeah. What do you think triggers synchronicities? Well, so that's a really good question. I think we can uh, ignore synchronicities and mm -hmm. kind of block that experience out. And I think there are certain practices that um, 
that work with the phenomena of synchronicity. So there's, you know, all kinds of different divination systems, tarot, runes, right. um, spraying. And, you know, these are practices that are ancient and have been around for a long time. And it's really acknowledging um, that, you know, we, we think of chronological time and this ordering system, linear time, being more important than the meaning and connections between certain events. We're, we're very conditioned to think of time in terms of, and the, the world, you know, uh, around us in terms of cause and effect, uh-huh. cause effect. Mm-hmm. but synchronicity is, is a more empowered way of living, from my opinion. It's mm-hmm. looking at, um, it's looking at the universe as if it's alive. It's something right. to engage in rather than being, you know, this um, kind of, you know, dead um, universe without, without life. So right. in, in, in engaging with the phenomena of synchronicity dreams and, and this way of uh, noticing patterns, connecting meaning, um, yeah, it, it, it opens up uh, possibilities, solutions to problems that seem otherwise impossible to solve. Mm-hmm. So I think it may be engaging in, you know, maybe other dimensions or higher levels of consciousness. And that allows us to transcend time and space and is very powerful. Yeah, I often wonder if if synchronicity is becoming, if people are more open to it now because we are, because the paradigm is shifting. Yes. And also, just when you talk about synchronicity like we are doing and you think about it, you write about it, they just happen all the time, yeah. uh, much uh, more than if you're uh, if you're not aware of synchronicity, they don't really exist. I talked to one guy who I told him about synchronicity, and uh, he, he thought about that and got back to me, he said, and he told me, yes, I've had one in my life. You know, I said, one? <laughs> and he went at great length, and none of that made sense to me, but <laughs> and it was important to him. Uh, but it, just the fact that we're talking to you now, that's a synchronicity, too, because um, mm-hmm. you know, Trish ran into you on a synchronicity. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> At the Coincidence Cafe, yeah. I think it was. <laughs> that was mm-hmm. that, we got that was we got teamed up. Yeah. That, yeah, which, yes. I thought, wait a minute, this one looks really familiar to me. <laughs> and then we started talking about precognition and you said, oh, yeah, I have your book. I thought, oh, my God, of course. This is Christine who came to our house. (laughs) Yes. So even if time passes, you know, there's still this um, there's still this underlying force or energy or something that uh, allows for certain events or people to connect. And I just find it fascinating. I love it. I mean, yeah, I mean, that was, what, three three years ago we were here. Mm -hmm. So now it's like it came full loop, you know. Yes. <clears throat> okay, since you and Tony were traveling around the country filming your movie on synchronicity, what kind of synchronicities happened on this trip? You must have yeah. tons of them. <laughs> we do, and it's so hard to, you know, um, pick one. There were so many, you know, it's almost like, I mean, meeting you, for instance, that led to connecting with Dr. Bernard Beinman, uh-huh. going to Casa Grande. So, what I love about, um, you know, stepping outside the normal nine to five and doing something like traveling is you're open. You're yeah. open to the world. You're open to meeting new people. 
So for us, um, you know, that's the I synchronicity highway. <laughs> that's the synchronicity highway. Yes. <laughs> and for us, it was really about connecting with um, friends, family. Um, we are really into history, um, the history of the U.S., ancient indigenous cultures. Mm -hmm. So we spent a lot of time traveling to, you know, sacred indigenous sites. And, um, you know, one thing that I want to talk about a little bit is one reason why we decided to um, travel. And part of it was for the documentary. Um, but another part of it was to honor his father. And so his father passed of terminal uh, brain cancer. And there was a lot of synchronicities around that. And one goal that his dad had, he was just on the verge of retirement, was to travel around the U.S., you know, in an RV with his son. And so, you know, we we decided to do that to honor his his father. And there was a lot of synchronicities with that as well. His dad was um, he taught at um, taught robotics um, for the army, and he was you know very scientific, rationally based man. But uh, five years prior to his death, exactly, he had an experience where he was whoops. He was sitting at his desk. It was uh, February fourteenth, um, uh, and the light on his uh, desk just goes out, and then it mm. turns back on, and then it goes out, and then it turns back on, and he it goes out one more time. He sits there in silence and kind of you know feels a presence, and then it turns back on, and he realized that that was. Um, almost exactly the time that his father had passed away, February Wow. Huh. And his father ended up, you know, contracting this illness and died exactly um, five years later, February 14th. Jeez. Um, so there was synchronicities around numbers, synchronicities around that. And then mm. when we went to go visit his memorial in um, South Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, uh -huh. Uh, that was one of our spots we hit. Um, we, you know, kind of said a little prayer. Um, I offered some tobacco because I, I believed in that. Um, and interestingly enough, I have a connection with hawks. That's an important um, oh, animal for me. Two hawks are circling above. One drops a pine cone, and then the second one drops a pine cone. Right wow. where we were standing. That's incredible. So, you know, and there are so many other synchronicities, you know, that I could go into, but that that's just one because I do feel like with COVID going on, with so many people losing their loved ones, mm -hmm. it's a reassurance to have those signs from loved ones who have passed on. Hmm. Yeah. Well, maybe he was on the trip with you. Maybe he was. <laughs> you know, in spirit. Yeah. Um, it's very possible. Absolutely. So, Christine, when you uh, complete your movie uh do you have any plans uh, any uh connections or how how you're uh going to distribute the movie uh and w how does that process work having never we made are, a movie yes we are learning as we go and we are trusting yeah. and um tony has some friends uh with connections i have some friends with connections too so we will see um, but if not, you know, if it isn't picked up, then we will just self-publish, um, you know, distribute it on, on the YouTube. road. 
taken on the road. Um, You know, one thing about synchronicity, and I I find myself at times getting impatient. This project (laughs) has taken a while. I have a private practice, but this is really my passion. But a part of that is not rushing things. And a part Uh of that is trusting that things will unfold in the right divine time, which, you know, can be a challenge, but, but that, that's what we're trusting, that things will line up and we'll complete it, you know, when, it, when it's supposed to be completed. How, how come you uh, settled in Tucson? That, well, that, that involved, was recently. <laughs> yes, other <laughs> synchronicities. So prior, prior to living in Tucson, we lived in one of the coldest places in, in uh, Colorado called the San Luis Valley, which is a very beautiful, magical place. There's actually quite a few books written on the Native American history, um, paranormal UFO sightings in that area. Uh-huh. And it's quite a beautiful place. But extremely cold can get down to negative 40 you know at night in the winter (laughs) and and we loved the landscape i met some amazing friends lifelong connections there but we were ready for something new Uh and uh right before the pandemic hit my partner had had a job offer here my cousin lived out here and the state of Arizona just offered reciprocity for licensed professional counselors. So there was kind of multiple different yeah. things pushing us in this way. Warmer weather, closer <laughs> to some folks in California that I have connections with. So um, it's been phenomenal since we've yeah. moved here. And um, I just, I feel very much at home. It's such a neat mix of cultures. You have yeah. Hispanic, Native American. Uh-huh. We're an hour from the border. So um, it's it's been yeah just really really wonderful. So you found your spot. Yeah, <laughs> we found our spot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's great. So so, so you so you you mentioned in passing their UFOs uh, since our podcast now appears on unknown Whitley Strieber's unknown country uh, website. I have to ask you have you have you had any UFO experiences? Oh dear. I usually shy away from this question, but I will tell you one of the most profound experiences I've okay. had. Love it. Um, so following my illness, um, I lived with my family for about six months. Um, and, you know, it was very hard recovering, uh, very hard regaining strength, healing physically, emotionally, mm-hmm. psychologically. And I would go out on this canyon right next to my parents' house and just sit there and, and meditate and kind of pray. And interestingly, I would often have sightings of this pure white albino hawk that would wow. you know, just circle above me again. I guess that's, you know, another start to this circling mm-hmm. hawk productions in this film. So that that was a very hopeful experience, um, even though I struggled and, and, you know, I had a lot of pain in my chest from all the operations and I would wake up from my dreams going, oh, my gosh, no, that really happened to me. I, you know, I was still coming to terms with it. And one night I had this deeply healing physically, emotionally, psychologically dream where I was lucid dreaming um, or astral traveling and I was flying over our planet. And as I looked down at the earth, I could see these orange um, lights from within the earth that would come up towards me and hit my chest. And it was like a healing on my heart because 
I had also had a heart attack while in the hospital, and I could feel this orange energy just healing me, pulse after mm. pulse. When I woke from this dream for three days, I was in this state of it felt like just cosmic consciousness, just totally peaceful, happy, um, mm. no sense of time. And I think it was one or two days after this experience, um, you know, I, I just had this feeling to go out on my balcony and right over the canyon, there were, was this, um, I, I don't know exactly what it was, I can't say. It was, it, it was a larger object, it looked like, um, with these orange lights and a pyramid shape, exactly huh. the color I had seen in my dreams. Wow. And the, these lights would start as a pinpoint and then they would expand and grow larger and they would turn on from bottom to top huh. and they would shut off. And my father was a witness to this, um, interestingly enough. So that was nice to have some hmm. other confirmation. But I, you know, there did feel it did feel like some kind of confirmation, and it's not something I can explain, uh-huh. um, and I don't know what it is. But it felt connected to my dreams, definitely. Yeah. Well, you know, this Preston Dennett, who has written a number of books about UFOs, he says that one of the primary purposes of these visitors is to heal people. So anytime I hear something like what you just said, I'm thinking, okay, that's, you know, that, yeah. that follows along with Preston's Yeah. And uh, also we've found that there's connections between synchronicities and UFOs and alien contacts as well. We've written about that uh, and actually experienced it once ourselves, uh, which kind of humorously, we uh, we had a UFO experience while we were passing through the town of Jupiter, <laughs> Jupiter, oh, <yes>. Florida, <laughs> the synchronicity. <laughs> wow. And plus and there's was, another guy there. Yeah, there, yeah, there's oh. another guy. He's freaking out. Wow. <laughs> he, he was on the phone with his girlfriend. He goes, you're not going to believe this. this. This is the most incredible thing. This, there are eight lights in the sky. And he goes on and on. And it was just what we were saying, too. Uh, you know, and interestingly enough, now that you bring it up, my partner had an experience in Canyon of the Ancients. Um, oh, my in God. Colorado, a beautiful, beautiful place. But he, we were camped out in the middle of nowhere, just beautiful, beautiful, you know, sky and he saw this dark object, um, you know, and again, in front of the canyon, uh, just slowly move on by. Huh. Um, so very, very interesting. That's, yeah. There's so much we don't know. Yeah. So, Christine, when are you writing a book? <laughs> I would love to write a book. When I have time, that <laughs> is definitely going to happen. And, and this person I'm collaborating with is really helping aid in that process. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah. So, so hopefully soon. <laughs> yeah. Well, this has just been great, and I can't wait until your movie comes yeah. out. Please let us, you know, keep, keep us posted on the Looking progress. Yeah. Well, we'd Absolutely. love to have you back. Yeah, thank you so much. Wonderful to talk with you both. Yeah, Good wonderful talk to talk to you, too. And please tell Tony hi. And your kitty, you oh. still have that cat? Yes, we do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> great. <That's> <laughs> the cat who travels around the country, that's so cool. Yes. She's still still doing well. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's good. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, please tell people where they can find you, your website, your work. Oh, sure. My website is lucidawakening.com. And then the film, uh, there, we have a little trailer under Circling Hawk. 
Productions. Ah, okay. I like that title. That Very the company good. is that the, that's great. Circling Hawk. Yeah, okay. sounds like it might be a good name for our podcast too. Circling Hawk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good. Good idea. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen. Take okay. care. Have a good, good weekend. What's left of it, and stay safe. Thank you. You too. I'll talk to you soon. Bye now. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining the Mystical Underground. Visit www.themysticalunderground.com for the latest blog post and book info. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Listen to the podcast at podcast.themysticalunderground.com. Follow Trish and Rob on Instagram at Trish and Rob McGregor. Follow us on Twitter at The Mystic Cast. Send email to podcast at themysticalunderground.com. And until next week, thank you for listening and stay mystical.